This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So this segment is going to give you all the signs that you need to know that it's time to tackle your debt problems. Although lots of people have debt repayment factored into their, factored into their monthly budget and consider debt part, part of their financial affairs, Blair is going to be talking about the signals that may indicate a better plan is needed to deal with your debt efficiently. So if you're waiting for a sign to shift focus and tackle your debt for good, this is it. So Blair, your team at Sands and Associates help people across the province. Uh, who are looking for advice and solutions for dealing with their debt. In your experience, have most people waited too long to get professional help? I would say definitely, Elaine, just about everybody that I meet with, they've suffered more than they had to suffer and for a longer period than they had to be suffering because they were just scared. They just didn't know there was a solution. They may have felt ashamed about the situation they found themselves in. It's never too late to connect with a licensed insolvency trustee. You're going to get professional insights on how to manage your debt, uh, but doing it earlier, at, you know, the first step of when you start to have a bit of uncertainty about your debt is definitely going to be better than waiting until, you know, the collection calls are just incessant, uh, if you're getting served notices of legal actions, or perhaps your wages are being taken. So definitely uh, seeking advice early is something that people would benefit from. Uh, in terms of signs of when you think it's time to get serious about getting out of debt, uh, there's a couple right off the top that are really clear, kind of red blinking lights um, that, you know, perhaps you'd benefit from having a good conversation right away. And the first one is if you don't know who you owe or how much you owe. You don't have a, a good sense of your financial picture. Um, and if you're not sure of, uh, of account balances, uh, you might not even know if your creditors are taking legal action against you, um, you know, pursuing you in court or things like that. So it's just really important. Uh, if you don't have a sense of your financial health, um, you know, you're probably not trending in a good direction. So figuring out who you owe and how much you owe to each, that's something just step one that we can even start with in our first consultation is, hey, let's work together. Let's pull a credit report. Let's start to get a sense uh, of the financial picture and then see what we're dealing with from a problem point of view. What's the next one that people, and it's kind of hard to believe that, that you, you wouldn't know how much you owe and, and all of that to me, but I'm sure that that happens for folks before we get to number two. Yeah, more often than you would, you would think, Elaine, and, and oftentimes it's said with, you know, just a sense of defeatist, like, I just know it's a bad number, so I don't even mm -hmm. want to know the exact number. I've got a stack of mail I haven't opened, and you know, sometimes there's even legal notices in there that should have been opened. Uh, but yeah, it's never a comfortable situation, and usually if someone doesn't know what they owe, it's usually there's a bunch of stuff um, that, that, that they do owe. It's not generally something comes like, oh, you don't owe anything, anybody anything. That generally doesn't happen. There's a bunch right. of stuff they just perhaps lost track of. Fair. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so what's the next thing that you, you, you advise people to do or you help them do? Yeah, well, another big, big warning sign. So if you don't know who you owe, that's, that's a big one. Okay, let's, let's start to have a conversation. A second one is if you've got a bunch of unfiled tax returns. 
So whether you owe money or not, it's hugely important that you stay on top of filing your taxes every year. Um, Canada Revenue Agency views it as essentially the price of civilization of being part of this society is you have to file your taxes every year. You know, you might not be able to pay them, but filing the returns is a very important part. Um, and if you delay filing your returns, you're generally not going to be any better off. You know, the, the tax that is only going to grow because there's going to be accruing interest and they're also going to add late filing penalties on top of that. Um, and then CRA, you know, owing CRA money is one thing, but it's a much worse situation to be a non-filer. CRA will actually go after non-filers uh, oftentimes more aggressively than those who have filed everything up to date, who stayed in touch with them, and have just said, you know, this is a big balance, I'm not sure what to do. They'll give that person a whole lot more leeway than the person who might be 5 or 7 or 10 or even 20 years I've seen, you know, delinquent in filing taxes. So if you're really holding off on filing taxes or haven't done so in years, that's another big warning sign that you might need some financial help to get back on track. And how often does CRA these days uh, accrue the interest? Like, how are they? Is it on a daily, a weekly, a monthly? Mm -hmm. How is that done these days? It's daily. So generally it's on a daily basis. Now, uh, with COVID, they've been, you know, quite lenient and have given some breaks on amounts owing. But if it was amounts owing before COVID, they've got a break on that. And certainly in the future, there won't be. But yeah, interest and amounts can compound daily with CRA. Okay, good. To, that's good to know. And that would be a motivation, too, for folks to, to know that and have that clearly in their mind before they decide to delay any further on this. So before we continue, exactly. if, yeah, and, bef- and be- as we, before we continue, if you already know that you need to do something, that if some of this is resonating with you, it's time to give Sands and Associates that call. It's 1-800-661-3030 and get started. And there's a whole complement of professionals that can help you figure this out and how to move forward in the best way possible for you. So what else should we be considering, Blair, when it comes to assessing our debt? Well, I think it's important to not only think about how much do you owe, but who do you owe? And are there certain types of debt that are more high risk than others? And there's certainly two that I want to call out, specifically is what I've called high risk creditors. Um, The first one, and we were just talking about this a little bit, but it's government debt. So you filed the returns, you end up owing them money, but it could be for income taxes, it could be for business, GST, even if you've got an incorporated business, if you are the director, you can be held accountable for the GST. It could be payroll debts, uh, even past MSP MSP premiums. But the reason why government debt um, is such high-risk debt um, is the government can shortcut just about every collection activity. Um, They can surprise you pretty quickly with some pretty severe remedies. So any other creditor that wants to come and take your wages or take your assets. They have to hire lawyers, serve you with documents, take you to court, win in court, and then get a payment order after that. That's a bunch of steps and a bunch of costs. Uh, If it's the government, you might not even know there's a pending action until it's already in place. They don't need to go to court. They can just take these dramatic actions of seizing assets or seizing wages. So if there is some government debt that you're dealing with, that's definitely one of those high-risk creditors. Uh, The other high-risk creditor that we tend to see as as a really red flag of someone that's going to need our help uh, is a payday loan, or now what they've often transitioned into is installment loans, which are just like payday loans with very high interest, but they're for a whole lot more money, sometimes up to $20,000 at a very high interest rate of, you know, sometimes it's 29%, sometimes it's 39 or even 49%. So very high interest, whether it's payday loans or installment loans, when we start to see those with individuals, we realize that's a big warning sign that something is not going according to plan because nobody can carry uh, any significant amount of debt at that amount of interest and still be financially okay in the near future. 
I know that one of the pieces that you want to talk about in this segment is why people are borrowing or why you're borrowing money. And that's really almost like a pause in the, in the situation for me. I think, okay, if I'm asking myself why, boy, oh boy, I'm, I'm almost ready to start to take some action to resolve the issues. Yeah, it's really important to really dig to the underlying cause. And in some cases, you can really point out, you understand things were going fine, and there was some shock to the system that just happened. You know, the person got sick, or their spouse got sick, or a family member got sick. You know, that, that's a pretty clear one. Well, now there's less income or more expenses. Um, you know, sometimes there's gambling or addictions. Um, sometimes there's a job loss or a layoff. So then we know, you know, we can understand why the borrowing is there. But oftentimes what happens when we really dig into it with clients is we can see, well, this just happened that the debt built up over time because of an imbalance of the cost of living versus the income that was coming in. So unless we look detailed at the budget, really figure out a new structure for going forward, we're not going to stop this debt problem from reoccurring because it wasn't one issue. It was just a monthly, a structural type of thing where the person was just overspending a few hundred dollars a month, multiply that by years and add some interest on top of it, um, then a lot of people will end up in a tough situation. Um, You've also got to consider too, you know, the why you're borrowing, who you're borrowing from. And if you're dealing with a payday lender, as we said, you know, it's very high risk. But if you're also considering, well, you know, maybe I'm going to borrow from friends or family uh, or get a cosign or something like that, um, definitely that's should cause you to, t- to take a pause, have a discussion with a trustee, because adding a cosigner to your debts, in my experience, 100 out of 100 times, it's a bad decision. So I definitely recommend people get some get some advice before they consider doing that. And this segment wouldn't be complete without talking about credit cards. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and the minimum payment trap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what... Where I come at it with, with minimum payments, uh, Elaine, um, is that what I really want people to understand is that minimum payments are not designed to get you out of debt. Um, they're designed to keep you in debt as long as possible. Um, and it's just crazy when you start to run some numbers. And we're not talking about extreme credit card debt. You know, of course, $100,000 is going to take forever to pay off. But hey, $6,000 of credit card debt could have you in debt for 40 years of just making minimum payments for zero years, and you would have paid that back multiple times over. Um, so if you're just stuck on making the minimum payments, that's actually one of the number one warning signs that sends people to see us is when people look at their statements, look at the minimum payments, there's the disclosure, it's going to take you X number of years to pay things off. And they realize they're really struggling even to make those minimums. So trying to pay more than that is just going to be difficult for them. So just be very careful if you think you're in good shape because you're making all your minimum your credit rating might look great. You're probably never going to get out of debt unless you do something different. I know that late payments is also something that you really want people to look at before they kind of go as deep as they possibly could on. Well, you want to be careful and you want to be organized as much as you can. If you're able to make the payment, you know, making it on time is better than not making it on time, of course. But sometimes people don't always think about, you know, late penalty fees that can add up, even if your payment is just a day or two late. Um, sometimes an increase in an interest rate. So there might be a promotional interest rate uh, or, you know, a best client interest rate and you miss a couple payments and suddenly, well, now you're, you've got more expenses uh, than you had otherwise anticipated. Uh, and then what people are usually pretty focused on is notations on your credit history. So if you start to miss payments, usually one payment isn't going to do a whole lot. But after two or three or more missed payments, you could expect that lender is going to start dinging your credit. Uh, and that's really going to frustrate if you're trying to get yourself back on track and you know maybe trying to qualify for a consolidation loan. Even one account that you consistently pay late can really take you off of that path. 
We've just got about a minute and a half or so uh, left in this segment, and I know that debt plans are really important and, and that you like to talk about them and the importance of them to folks. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing about debt plans is just to have one, you know, just to have a sense of, okay, I've got a certain amount of debt and here's my here's my method, here's my, my go-forward plan on how I'm going to get that down to zero. And sometimes people come into us, they feel completely hopeless in the first meeting saying there's no way I'm ever going to be debt-free. And then inside of 30 to 45 minutes, sometimes a little less or a little bit more, uh, we can say, well, here's two paths, a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, they're absolutely going to get you to debt-free by a defined time using a defined set of, of provisions within the law. Uh, and most people are just overjoyed to suddenly have something that they can focus on, they can move towards. And even if it's not a formal debt resolution plan, there's a lot of things informally that you can do. A lot of uh, online calculators you can work out for repayments. Um, and you can even consider doing just some quick math, um, you know, looking at your total debts. If it was, say, $10,000, dividing that by 60 payments, is that a payment that you could afford? And if it is, okay, that's could be the size of your debt management plan because over a five-year term, that's what you're going to have to pay back. But if you take your debts and divide it by 60 and it's just totally unaffordable um, in your monthly budget, that's a great warning sign you should be seeing a licensed insolvency trustee. And if you've got more questions, things that we haven't answered in this segment, go to the website, sands-trustee.com. It's chock-a-block full of great questions and lots of answers. Or give them a call, 1-800-661-3030, for that first free sit-down. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about debt forgiveness options. Uh, specifically explaining personal bankruptcy and how it works. Uh, and Blair Manton, who not only a licensed insolvency trustee, uh, but also president at Sands & Associates, is going to explain how personal bankruptcy works in Canada, because it's different in other countries, certainly, and whether declaring bankruptcy might be the right solution for you uh, to have your debts forgiven. And you've said before that in Canada, the bankruptcy process is nowhere as bad as people think it might be, Blair. But before we get into some of those details, can you talk a little bit about the basics to personal bankruptcy? And I would assume that it's a little bit different in this province compared to other provinces. Am I right about that or is it much the same? Well, you're definitely right, Elaine. Uh, what's different pro province to province, so the Bankruptcy Act is the federal statute, so theoretically province to province, the same rules apply, but each province has different legislation provincially that interact with that bankruptcy. And essentially, mm -hmm. uh, if you file a bankruptcy in uh, Alberta versus BC versus Ontario, there might be different assets that come into play, different exemptions, different things you're allowed to keep. And we're going to go through all those in detail and focus on what's specific to BC. But it is the case people can have a little bit of a different experience uh, depending on where they're located in Canada, but in broad strokes, the Bankruptcy Act, it's a federal statute, so it typically is pretty consistent. Uh, but in terms of what is bankruptcy, and again, Elaine, you did a great intro there, it's generally, it's not as bad as what you think it is. It's probably no, nowhere near as bad as what you think. We're going to give you a little bit of insight into that today. But what bankruptcy is, it's a formal legal process. It's a debt solution. It allows you to have debt relief, so have all your debt forgiven if you find yourself in a position where you're unable to repay your debts. So the wording in the law is it's a fresh start for the honest but unfortunate debtor. Um, there are two ways you can have your debt forgiven legally in Canada. 
You know, one is to file a consumer proposal, which we've uh, discussed on a number of other segments. Today, we're focusing specifically on personal bankruptcy. And when you file for personal bankruptcy, the whole idea is you're going to eliminate your debt. You're going to eliminate what's burdening you and dragging you down. And that could be everything from general consumer debts like credit cards, lines of credit, overdrafts, payday loans. It could be secured debts um, like a vehicle that you owe way too much money on uh, or a mortgage. If your house is being foreclosed, there's going to be a shortfall. Uh, The bankruptcy will help deal with that debt as well. It could be debts for a business where you've signed a personal guarantee that the business has had to shut down and you as the owner or entrepreneur or director have certain liabilities. Uh, It could be debts owing to another person. Um, You know, a personal debt, whether it's formalized or not, um, can be discharged or eliminated as part of a bankruptcy proceedings. Uh, And finally, amounts owing to government. So whether it's tax debt with Canada Revenue Agency, so things like income tax, GST, business tax, a lot of people are surprised that you can actually eliminate those debts in a personal bankruptcy, because in the United States, typically you can't. So it's very different Canada versus the U.S. I think our laws are a whole lot better here. Um, and then otherwise, debts, you know, due to ICBC, a motor vehicle accident. So um, I often say it's kind of a shorter list of what you can't deal with in, in a bankruptcy, uh, which is things like, you know, child support, alimony, uh, or court-imposed fines, just about anything that doesn't fall into those categories. If you filed the bankruptcy, you'd be able to get a fresh start and leave all of those debts behind. Interesting. Um, so again, parameters, who is the person who can claim bankruptcy in this province? Well, the eligibility is pretty straightforward. You have to owe more than $1,000 and be insolvent. And what insolvent means is that you're not immediately able to repay all of your debts. Now, $1,000 strikes probably everybody as pretty low. It strikes me as low, too, and that hasn't changed since the law was originally written in about the Great Depression when owing $1,000 was definitely a lot more than owing $1,000 today. So we don't see many people that are filing bankruptcy for less than $5,000 of debt, but sometimes, depending on a person's income, their personal situation, even a five or $10,000 debt can feel just as unmanageable as a seventy-five dollars or $100,000 debt. So, you know, the... the uh, table stakes to get in, so to speak. Um, the price of admission from uh, the, gu- the law point of view is it's $1,000 of debt, but typically it's higher than that when someone's filing a bankruptcy. But there's no need to be facing a severe situation like creditor harassment, um, c- collection calls, or even having court proceedings taken against you. You don't need to be delinquent on any debts if you file for bankruptcy. In fact, up to 70% of people that file bankruptcy have perfect credit. They've never missed a payment. The bankruptcy comes like, you know, a shot out of the blue to the people that they owe money to, because on the outside, this person's been making all the payments every month. Uh, But when they sit down with us, we say, yeah, you've been treading water well here, but you can continue making these payments for 30 or 40 years, be no further ahead, or we can decide to formally restructure the debt, put all this behind you, and then you're going to have a much better future you can plan for. Um, Now, a licensed insolvency trustee certainly plays a significant role. Do you want to talk about that role here and, and what you would do for someone? Yeah, a licensed insolvency trustee is your ally throughout the entire bankruptcy proceeding. So they're the person you're going to deal with. They're the person that gives you access to the insolvency system. And it's important to know you don't need any permission from your creditors to file for bankruptcy. So some people say, you know, I hope my application's accepted or, you know, I hope I don't get rejected. No, bankruptcy is your right. If you owe more than $1,000 and you're insolvent, you are entitled to get relief by filing bankruptcy. And it's typically nothing you need to apply for co- to court to do. So you don't need to hire a lawyer. You just need to basically select a licensed insolvency trustee. And then when you select the licensed insolvency trustee, they take you through the entire process, the meetings, the paperwork, uh, what you need to do to successfully emerge from the bankruptcy on the other side with all the debt left behind. 
And, and before we go any further, if, if you already know that this is your next step, uh, this is the phone number for Sands and Associates. And they have, how many offices do you have now in British Columbia? 25 now. Wow, 25. It seems like every month they, there's more offices that you've opened. Uh, good news and bad news, I guess. But good news uh, that you guys are able to help so many people. The phone number is 1-800-661-3030. And the website, which is filled with great questions and answers, sands-trustee.com to book your appointment. And the reason why I think it's bad news, Blair, is just that so many folks... Um, get in dire need of help. I mean, it's a it's a crazy time that we're living through, and, and it's not hard to find yourself in financial difficulty these days. Oh, and trust me, Elaine, I, I get it. The, you know, the, whatever it's the, the two-sided nature of what I do. So when I speak to people, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of um, surprised the bankruptcy rate is, is so low. And people are like, well, you want people to go bankrupt? No, but I know the debt problem is out there, and if the rate yeah. is low, it means people aren't getting help. So when we're able to grow and serve new communities, we know these are people that are getting the lease on life. They're getting their quality of life back. We're stopping the harassment. We're easing the pain. So in general, us growing means that people are dealing with their problems. The problems existed far but well before we got here and will persist after. You know, debt seems to be a way of life for a lot of folks, but at least we're in their community now to help more than ever before. Absolutely. So let's talk about the main steps in the bankruptcy process, Blair. Yeah, and that, that's another area where there's a lot of big misunderstandings about how long a bankruptcy will take. I hear it again and again. Most people think, well, bankruptcy takes seven years. Well, no, bankruptcy should never take seven years. For most bankruptcy cases, you're going to be finished the bankruptcy start to finish nine months from the day you sign the bankruptcy document. So a whole lot different than seven years. Now, where that that myth probably comes from, there's always an element of truth in every myth, is you finish the bankruptcy within nine months. It's noted on your credit report for six years after then. So you're definitely not in bankruptcy. Now, if someone pulls a credit report, they'll see that you've been through a bankruptcy, but a lot of people are actually a much better credit risk after the proceeding than they were before, because now they have no debt. So most people within just a couple of years after a bankruptcy actually have rebuilt their credit to, to a pretty good state. Um, but in terms of how the process gets started, well, the first step is that you connect with a local licensed insolvency trustee. So we're serving clients all over the province now, whether it's in person or over Zoom or over the telephone. Uh, we're allowed to accept electronic signatures, so we're doing a lot of things online to keep everybody safe. But the first step is just reaching out. And quite often, that's the hardest step because you just really don't know who you're going to be reaching out to. You don't know if you're going to feel respected. If your situation is just so dire, there's no solution. All these are things that people have told us they hesitate about before they reach out to us. And all these are things that we train our staff you know, completely from day one to be incredibly empathetic, to respect, to be respectful, to treat everybody that phones us as if it was a close member of their family going through a personal crisis and just in need of support. Yeah, I, I bet. Um, the second step, getting that information from the person and getting the process started, I would think, would be the next thing that somebody would do? Exactly. So after the first consultation, so the first consultation, you know, we start off by listening. So, you know, what's the situation? What's brought you to our door? What are you facing? And then we focus to solutions. What can we potentially do to help? And if it's the choice to move forward with either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, we say, okay, here's the information we'll start to collect. Uh, we've got various ways to do it, whether it's a PDF form, a physical application form printed, or even an online form that's totally secure and you could submit everything to us through an online portal. But you just start assembling the various information that we need to restructure your debt. And from a common sense basis, you can probably sense most of the things that we're going to ask for. So we're going to restructure your debt. We need to know who do you owe and approximately how much. So either give us the most recent bills or, you know, 
pull a recent credit report, and we can look there. We need to understand if you have assets. So, um, you know, if you have a car, a vehicle registration, different things like that. And then we need to understand what's the monthly budget situation. So who lives at home? Uh, what's their income? Is everybody working? Are there other circumstances? Uh, and then from there, we're able to put together what the solution should look like based on the person's unique circumstances. I love this, and I didn't realize this was possible. Um, if, a, if a person's situation is urgent, I can't imagine why somebody, why it would be so urgent, but you've got, you've got uh, steps to de- help deal with that as well. Oh, absolutely. And why it would be so urgent, Elaine, is, yeah. oh my gosh, the government just froze my bank account. i got to pay rent tomorrow. Or okay, I'm getting it. paid on a Friday, and my boss just told me um, he's got a, a court document. I have to give thirty percent, or he has to give thirty percent of my wages to creditors. So there okay. are people that sometimes come running through our doors because there's been actions taken against them that are going to make it, you know, pretty difficult for them to live. Um, and it is the case that if someone comes in, you know, with a garnishee, that's what it's called when your wages are being seized. You know, if that person can give us the information today, I can probably have insolvency documents ready for them tomorrow, and we can start to be in touch with the employer as soon as we file. The those documents and put a stop to everything. So it's pretty rare for someone to have a first meeting one day and file the next day, but does it happen inside of seven days? Quite often. If the situation is urgent and people are very comfortable to move forward, we can react as quickly as the clients would need us to. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, and of course, that's why you do your job and I do what I do, because I didn't know that. I mean, of course, that would that would make sense. Somebody needing everything to be done right now. Uh, such so great that you guys are able to react so quickly. Um, in the closing minute or so, Blair, are there some aspects to the bankruptcy, bankruptcy process that people are still surprised by or that you think are most important to remind people about? Yeah, I think a couple of ones we'll just highlight quickly. You know, first off is it's very possible to keep all of your assets when you go through bankruptcy. In fact, most people do keep all of their assets because the province of BC has set out some really good exemptions that say if you file a bankruptcy, you're not going to lose everything you have. Most people do keep what they have. The trustee's going to explain everything to you. You know, yeah, if you've got the, the wakeboarding boat out there that's worth $40,000, you might not be able to keep that through a bankruptcy. But most people with, you know, some furniture, some clothing, medical aids, tools of trade, even a vehicle, they're able to keep those things. Uh, and then finally, just understand that it's a private process. So mm-hmm. if you file a bankruptcy, the people that have to know are the people that you owe money to, the trustee is aware, but that's about it. You know, we're not telling your employer unless, you know, your wages are already being seized. We're not telling a spouse unless you would like us to. Uh, it's generally pretty private between you, your creditors, and the trustee. So again, you're listening to Dollars and Cents. You can get a hold of Sands and Associates by giving them a call at 1-800-661-3030. The website is sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. This segment's all about options for debt forgiveness. Uh, so if you're struggling with the debt problem, feeling overwhelmed with monthly payments or buried, literally buried by credit balances, Blair's going to talk about two options that consumers have for legal debt forgiveness. Uh, and it, you can, it's all under Canadian legislation. Uh, and we're going to learn about the type of debt forgiveness that might be right for your situation. So what are the options for debt forgiveness in this country, Blair? And, and how do you know if, if you qualify or not? Well, I think right off the top, Elaine, it's really important for people to know there's really only two options for legal debt forgiveness in Canada. So if you're researching online, you might see things like, oh, debt consolidation, debt settlement, debt repayment, debt negotiation, all these things. Um, Really, at the end of the day, there's two options that are legislated, regulated, are guaranteed, uh, you know, to be above board and get you back to zero. And that's a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. 
Both of those options are only available through a licensed insolvency trustee, and you don't need any middleman, you don't need any referral, you don't need to pay any fee for service to start to investigate these things. You just need to reach out directly to a licensed insolvency trustee. So it can definitely seem a bit counterintuitive if you start to Google, hey, Google consumer proposals or bankruptcy, you might find a ton of ads that are targeted at you that aren't from trustees, but you need to realize quite often these are from individuals that are trying to divert you from the path you should be going down, which is getting the best service, the best options at the lowest cost towards you. And they're trying to insert themselves and say, you know, we'll be your agent, we'll help you figure out all of these options, but you don't need anything else other than reaching out directly to a licensed insolvency trustee. And there's so many things that you need to be aware of if you if you don't opt for a licensed insolvency trustee to help you get through this. And that's what scares the heck out of me, to be quite honest, the, the pickles or situations that people can get into. Well, and I think people are surprised when they learn exactly how unregulated this debt repayment or debt advisory industry is across Canada. You know, it varies province to province. So in the province of Ontario, for example, credit counselors are regulated as collection agencies, which makes a whole lot of sense because they essentially provide the same type of a service and they're paid by the banks. Uh, in the province of BC, credit counselors aren't regulated as collection agencies. Uh, so to the consumer, it can seem like, oh, well, these people are on my side. They're going to help me with a collection agency rather than they're actually the same type of a, of a thing. So it's really, it's, it's you know, buyer beware, it's, it's eyes wide open. And you need to understand too, there's a lot of claims that are being made that oftentimes have no basis in fact, and sometimes there's some pretty nefarious motives. So anybody that claims they can eliminate your debt with no credit rating impact whatsoever to you, that's just not a thing. That just doesn't exist unless you're going to pay the debt off in full. Even if there's an interest break, you're going to have a notation on your credit. So sometimes the perfect solution for what you think might not exist, but there's some really great solutions available only through a trustee that are going to get you a great result. And you know, you're going to be able to trust uh, when something's promised to you that's actually going to be delivered. I love your suggestion about one quick way to uh, find out exactly what the organization or the or the people within the organization can do for you is asking the question, are you a licensed insolvency trustee? Because my bet is, Blair, that if they said yes, and they weren't, mm -hmm. You're talking serious, serious fraud at that point. Absolutely. It's a federal offense there. You know, nobody can represent them to themselves to be a licensed insolvency trustee unless they are one. It's, it's, again, a very serious offense. So it's really a great question to ask of people if you're speaking to someone who's you know, you're not sure if they're a trustee, but what they're talking about sounds a whole lot like a consumer proposal, for example. I'll ask them that question, and oftentimes what you'll get is, is a lot of stumbling and say, well, no, I'm not the trustee. You're going to meet the trustee at the last stage, which they don't say, which is after you've paid me three to $4,000 for my advice, which you didn't need to pay. So if I ask the person, are you a trustee? If you don't get the answer, then yes, I'm a trustee or I'm directly supervised by a trustee, you're probably not dealing with someone who's going to actually be able to help you for the best cost. Yeah. Do you want to go on to the part of explaining about bankruptcy and what that process looks like for people? Yeah, I think it'd be great, Elaine, if, if today we can just give a quick overview of these of these both these solutions, because a lot of people have huge misconceptions that, you know, bankruptcy is the worst possible thing you can do and you should try to avoid it at all costs. And, you know, yes, bankruptcy is a last resort. You don't do it unless there's other, you know, all other options aren't going to work for you. But bankruptcy, it's a legal solution that allows you to get relief from your debts. So it allows someone that's hopelessly overburdened with debts to start again. If they've been honest but unfortunate, they deserve to get a fresh start, to face the world again, owing nobody anything. 
And to declare bankruptcy in Canada, you don't need to get permission. You don't need to hire a lawyer. You don't need to pay big upfront retainer fees or anything like that. You just sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee. You meet a number of times. And then generally by about your third meeting-ish, you'll sign some bankruptcy documents. And then you'll start the process of going through a bankruptcy. And the idea is you'll file a bankruptcy be in the bankruptcy process for a period of time, and then you exit the bankruptcy process and all the debt gets left behind. And what most people are incredibly surprised to learn about bankruptcy is the actual process. It's not the six or seven years that most people might have heard about. For 80% of people, it's nine months. It's literally, if you file bankruptcy in January, you might be discharged by September if you're like 80% of cases where someone is low income and complies with everything they have to do during the bankruptcy. And if you're not low income, well, bankruptcy lasts a little bit longer, but not six, seven years. It lasts 21 months instead of nine months. So inside of two years, no matter how dire the situation might be, a personal bankruptcy can allow somebody to get back to zero, to start again, owe nobody anything. And there's definitely some work you have to do to get there, uh, but it's nothing that's insurmountable. Um, 100,000 people in Canada each year typically file a bankruptcy, and just about all of them move forward with their life, receive a discharge, and can put everything behind them. Um, Blair, how do how does a licensed insolvency trustee organization company like Sands and Associates get paid in a bankruptcy mm-hmm. that they're putting somebody through or helping them through? Well, and that's an interesting one, Elaine, something I often get asked if we were still going to cocktail parties these days, maybe. But in, in the past, yeah. when people hear, you know, uh, you know, you're a trustee. Well, if you help people who are bankrupt, they've got no money. How do you get paid? Well, yeah. another you know, good thing for people to know is there is no such thing as a completely free debt solution in Canada. So if you think someone can help you discharge your debts with no charge to you whatsoever, that's just not possible. But there are some very reasonably low-cost options, and a trustee is the most reasonable of all of them because everything is set by government tariff. So if someone files for bankruptcy and they're considered low income, they just have to pay the cost of administration, which normally is $200 a month uh, over a period of nine months for a total of $1,800. And from there, the trustee gets appointed, contacts all the creditors, works with the individual to get them through the nine-month process, deals with all the claims, disperses funds, all of that from start to finish, and the person pays $200 per month. And it's important to note that that's instead of them making any payments on their debt. So sometimes people have been paying, you know, eight hundred a thousand dollars or more each month in a bankruptcy that gets reduced down to 200 and after nine months it's gone all the debts are gone in the bankruptcy payment as well so you do have to pay something uh, but it's usually something that's very affordable in your situation I know the other great solution that a licensed insolvency trustee can can move somebody through is the consumer proposal so let's talk about that and can you start where we just left off how do you get paid in a consumer proposal situation Yeah, so in a consumer proposal, a big difference to a bankruptcy is that a consumer proposal, we're negotiating to repay the part of the debt you can afford to repay. So if the situation was you could file for bankruptcy, all the debt gets written off, but you don't want to file for bankruptcy. Let's say you owed, say, $30,000 of debt and you wanted to do a proposal, you might offer them back $10,000. Now, of that $10,000, the government says, okay, you can afford $10,000. That's what you're going to pay back. The trustee gets paid out of what you pay into the proposal. So roughly 20% of what you pay, the trustee retains as cost of administration. 80% of what you pay goes to the creditors. So if the creditors were owed $30,000, the proposal you're going to make is for, say, $10,000, and about $8,000 that actually goes to the creditors. Uh, Their balance is paid to the trustee. All this is set by government tariff, and what's important is you didn't pay anything extra at all. You figured out you could afford to pay 10000 and then of that 10000 it included all the professional fees and the amounts to the credit. 
creditors. So it's generally your lowest cost and most accessible option to deal with your debts um, short of a bankruptcy is to do a consumer proposal. And I just want to talk, we didn't really talk about the sort of the, uh, the, uh, how the consumer proposal works. Can you, can you do that in 20 seconds, Blair? <laughs> oh, I certainly can. Combine all of your debt together, reduce it by 70%, save you all of the interest and give you five years to pay. That's what a consumer proposal can do. So in real numbers, if you owe $20,000, you might offer back 30% of that, which would be a monthly payment of $165 for three years. So $20,000 could be dealt with for 165 bucks over three years. It's that dramatic. And I want to mention the website, sands-trustee.com, chock block full of good information all about consumer proposals. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. This segment's all about checking in on your personal debt why you should and how to do that. It's a great segment to start looking for clues that maybe you could use some help. So do you know where you stand when it comes to your personal debt? When was the last time you checked in on your debt repayment plan? So we're going to talk with Blair, of course, licensed insolvency trustee from Sands & Associates, talking about some key factors to think about, consider when you evaluate your personal debt situation and why it's so important to do so. And let's start with that. Why do you think it's so important for people to do a personal debt check-in, Blair? I can't imagine it's the easiest thing for folks to take on, but you think it's pretty important. Yeah, I do think it's important, Elaine. You know, it's just like the regular checkup with your doctor, your dentist, your routine vehicle maintenance. You know, yeah, you can skip that stuff, but after a period of time, it's going to be pay now or pay later. And usually the pay later is a whole lot more expensive and painful. If you skip the maintenance, you just end up paying more in the end. And with your finances, it's so easy. It's very simple just to navigate on financial autopilot, you know, just to keep things happening the same way they were, make all your minimums, you know, don't look at the bigger picture. And it's the famous adage that if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. And if you don't Mm. set your financial goals very deeply, have a focus on them, you know, you're not going to be having the achievements that you could have over a 10 or 20 year period unless you've really got those goals set out. So it's really important to check in all the time to have your goals to see if you're trending towards them. And just to see also, you know, how are you feeling about your debt? Because from our experience, you know, that's the number one warning sign about debt. It's not, a, you know, a mathematical calculation is the same in everybody's situation. It's more, you know, are you feeling overwhelming stress about your finances? You know, sometimes it's physical, emotional, or psychological impacts. You know, are you having worry, anxiety, fear about money and your debt? Are you alienating yourself from family because you're embarrassed or stressed about spending on debt? You don't go out to things because you're worried about, you know, paying for them after, or you do go out and then you spend, you know, days being depressed after knowing that when you put in the credit card, you won't be able to pay off. Are you having arguments with your spouses, uh, with your spouse or other people in your life um, about your money, about spending or different things? And are you feeling frustrated or constantly worried about your debt? So if any of those boxes are being ticked, you'd benefit from having, you know, even just an exploratory discussion with a financial professional. It might be the case you're in great shape, you're just worrying about nothing, but you're going to feel a whole lot better having that validated. Oftentimes, the reason you're worrying is because something is telling you, you know, yeah, really, I'm not on a good path. Uh, I'm not going to be achieving my goals here. And it's time to do something different. And reaching out for that consultation can make all the difference and starting to sleep better at night and feeling good about working towards some financial goals. Are there some, you know, write down on paper kind of steps that somebody can take when they're when they're thinking about or wanting to do that personal debt check in? 
definitely there's a few really important things we encourage everybody to do. And some of these, you know, you should do them at least once a year or maybe twice a year. Uh, the first one, I don't think it would be a surprise to a whole lot of folks, but it's to check your credit history. So I don't recommend that, you know, you pay for the monthly credit monitoring. I don't recommend that you do this on a daily, weekly, or even monthly basis. But at least once a year or maybe even twice a year, it's well worth it to reach out to both credit bureaus in Canada. One's called Equifax. The other is TransUnion. They each have a credit report or credit history report on you. And quite often you'll find things that are inaccurate, maybe not reporting appropriately. Um, or you might find that everything is just hunky-dory and it's just good to see that everything is, is out there and accurate. But be very careful because there's a couple different ways you can access your credit report it's not going to ding your credit when you check your credit it doesn't put any marks against you so if you've heard that don't check your credit because it'll go down that's only if you're going to various places trying to borrow money and they checked your credit that's what's called a hard hit but you checking your credit yourself is just a soft hit it doesn't do anything to it um, but you can get your credit report either online from either equifax or transunion um, they have various promotions at various times sometimes they'll give you free access and i only encourage you to ever get it if it's free online but by mail, uh, you have the ability to get a credit report sent to you, long-form credit report, at least once a year just by sending away to each of the credit bureaus. And if you go to sans-trustee.com, down at the bottom of our homepage, there's a client resources page, uh, and we've got a link to the form that you send away to both credit bureaus, and they'll send you your long-form credit report and a form to correct any inaccuracies that might be on there. So definitely something you should do at least once a year, get your credit report from both credit bureaus. And, and what about your credit score, Blair? Is that an important thing to check? In a word, no. And this is pretty surprising to people, and I, I know <laughs> that. Oh, my gosh, I've got an 800 credit score or 650 or it just dropped and all these commercials that we see. Oh, my score is down 20 points. What does that mean? It yeah. is the largest misdirection trick I think I've seen in years in the financial industry because each of the credit bureaus, the credit score that they calculate it's fictional. It's not used by any lender. Every lender is going to calculate their own credit score. It could be significantly different from lender to lender because they choose which factors they're going to put more or less weight on uh, depending on their business practice. So whatever you're getting, it's not going to be perfectly accurate and it can change very rapidly, even in the space of a month, depending on when your creditors actually report into the bureaus. If you're getting your credit score before they've reported or after they've reported in, it can be very different. So I encourage you, you know, if you're getting close to, you know, a mortgage um, or, you know, a car loan or things like that, okay, maybe sit down with the, with the creditor uh, and just figure out, okay, what are factors are important to them when they're going to calculate your credit score. But having this regular monitoring, having this three-digit number, it really doesn't have any basis in reality. So I encourage people not to focus at all on that credit score number. Okay. Listen, if, if you're already wanting to take some action and get a hold of Blair at Sands and Associates and any of his fabulous staff in, in all their offices throughout the province, 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number. Uh, if you've already got a sense that you want to, you want a place to start. And, and that's what I suggest is that's the phone number to use to get a hold of them. What about checking in on your budget? Uh, I guess first thing would be to have a budget, I bet mm -hmm. is what you might say. <laughs> That's generally a best practice. So if you <laughs> yeah. have a budget, uh, generally recommend that, that you do so. And, you know, you don't, there's various iterations of a budget. Some people are really down to the penny. Some people, it's, you know, just some large categories of spending. But it's very important not only to have a budget, but where things tend to fall off is when you revisit that budget at the end of the month and put the actuals beside what you actually had planned. So if you've got a budget, but you're not revisiting that on a monthly basis and seeing did you track towards it or not, you don't really have a budget at that point. You're not really getting the benefit um, of doing all of that activity if you're not actually comparing actual to what you had planned. 
Um, and what often happens if you're not doing that comparison, where the gap is created is in your savings. Savings is often the last thing to get done each month. And if you're not living within your budget, it's your savings that are often going to take the hit. So in the last couple of minutes here, when it comes to looking at our debts or, or my debts, what are some of the areas that I should be looking out for really closely? I think one of the really key things is to categorize your debt. And, you know, we can be a, a little bit lighthearted about it and call it, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, but it's not that far off. You know, there are good debt. There's debt that you incur with the expectation of a future benefit. So something like a student loan, for example, you're borrowing that money because you expect your earning capacity is going to pay it off. That should be good debt. A mortgage should be similar to that as long as you haven't overpaid. Um, the bad debt is debt for things that have lost their value very quickly or maybe instantly. So, you know, just general consumption, you know, a night out or a vacation, you know, you might have really enjoyed it. But a non-essential credit card purchase where you're going to be carrying a balance, um, that's typically, you know, a bad debt. It's something you'd like to avoid. Um, the ugly is two categories here, payday loans or installment loans where the debts are the 39, 40, 50 percent, something so high or government debt. If you're facing either of those situations, you should get some professional help in the short term because the payday loan interest is going to keep you trapped in debt for quite some time. And if it's an amount owing to the government, uh, you could be very surprised how quickly and aggressively the government might start to take action against you. You want to be aware of what can happen and take some, some plans to forestall that if you can. And in the last couple of seconds here, Blair, I know you've got the best suggestion for anybody who isn't feeling very confident after they've done that check-in or they want a second opinion. Absolutely. It's a reach out to Sands and Associates, connect with a licensed insolvency trustee for no charge, as little as, you know, 30 to 60 minutes. We're going to assess the whole situation, um, help you understand what you're dealing with and how you can move forward, have a much better financial future. The number, again, is 1-800-661-3030 to book your free confidential debt consultation. And you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.